We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service, like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dork. You're listening to the Uncontested What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host for the day, Jacob. Along for the ride tonight, we've got Taylor. Um, that is lifelong Maccabi Tel Aviv um, fan. Taylor, thank you very much. <laughs> Put some respect on my name. When you had to ask me literally five minutes ago how to pronounce Maccabi Tel Aviv. Shh, everything's fine. We've also got Nick along <laughs> for the ride tonight. I am always introduced last, but I guess I can't complain. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't. I typically, I feel like I have an order, which is kind of weird. Like depending on who's on the podcast, I kind of. I'm have always order. first, pretty much. It's, yeah. Are you? I think. I, feel I think like you so. are. I don't know why. It's cause you because you know Taylor's I'm the favorite. If, 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 if you put Taylor last, there's no there's no way to close off what he's gonna say, and he'll talk <laughs> for five minutes. <laughs> I am going to start. Off with, we we have literally have a segment, five minutes of quote unquote uh, bullshit. And uh, that is my segment to start us off and for us to just go off and random, you know. It's, it's interesting. It's like a um, an unconscious or a subconscious, like, <laughs> psychological thing. Like, have you guys ever realized that whenever you're describing something, there's a certain order of descriptors you use before you, like, get to the word? So, like, say yes. you're describing yep. a car. You don't say that's a red big car. You say that's a big red car. Right, it's always size and then color. There's like eight descriptors, and people like ninety percent of the time always go in the order of descriptors. It's weird. Yeah, no, you're right. And like, <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I um, so back probably, I mean, when I was young, I always had golf lessons, right? And then probably between like fourth through sixth grade, I actually like really got into golf. I had friends, and we would go during the summer, during our summer breaks, we'd go and play golf. And um, I was a pretty good little golfer. But then seventh grade came around, and all my cool friends were playing football. So I wanted to play football, and I stopped playing golf. And so, you know, after that, I didn't really play much golf going into high school and college. And, um, you know, so from there, you know, I, I as I got older, I started playing a little more golf because of golf tournaments or whatever it was because of work. 
but I just was not good. <laughs> I still am not good. I'm slicing the heck out of the ball, for example. And uh, I didn't used to do that when I was younger. And so I'm like doing some research into it. And it very much is like the it, the right side of your brain, for example. It, like that, that's athleticism. That's um, why the, le the left side of your brain is much more like logical, um, thinking things through. Like I need to do this with the club when I swing through on a golf swing. That's the left side of your brain. Um, and uh, like what I was, I have been reading and, and watching videos of like, that's the right side of your brain that you really need to be focusing on. It becomes habit and, um, that's going to fix your swing. So all that's to say that I, I know what you mean, Jacob, like you just, you have these, um, predetermined, um, like a list almost, you know, like you, if Taylor's on podcast, I'm going to say him first and then I'm going to say Nick and then I'm going to say call me and then I'm going to say Justin or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting how the brain works. There you go. Yeah, and technically, I introduced myself first on the podcast. <laughs> just so we're Don't clear. get it twisted. Speaking of, uh, though, I didn't introduce myself first on Friday because Taylor and Justin did a phenomenal job with our Friday episode. I mean, so. outside of our technical difficulties and our sound issues, um, the quality was good. But outside of that, the... Um yeah, wasn't our best yeah, the, sound the, the quality. The content was good. The the content or like the the recording quality your <laughs> could have been better. Was, your dog was pissed while you were recording inside Rumble, of a coffee okay. can. So the white does not want Rumble and the, or and Brody, both of the dogs in the new like the the office space, right? Um, so we have a little gate put up, and they were not having it. I was talking, Summer was asleep, and um, yeah, they could not get through, and so they were not. <laughs> not happy so i'm actually in a bedroom um a guest bedroom kind of thing today and uh quality is a little better in terms of the echo and i also have both dogs in here with me much more happy they're both sound asleep nice. so uh knock on wood hopefully we won't have those issues very good well hey guys before we dive in to the the deep content of our podcast today i know taylor and I know Taylor did this. Nick, maybe a little bit. I tried to, but the feed just wouldn't work for me. Taylor yep. dropped at the beginning of the pod. Oh. Uh, watched some Maccabi Tel Aviv basketball today, Israeli league. Uh, I guess not Israeli league. It's technically Euro league. Right. As um, Euro league got back underway today. And obviously Maccabi Tel Aviv has projected lottery pick in the upcoming 2020 NBA draft, which guys, if uh, coronavirus never happened, we would that we would be in deep in draft coverage because the draft would be right. in about five days, which is wild. Um, but Denny Avdia plays for Maccabi Tel Aviv and he had a sure really does. nice game today. I mean, he was seven and nine from the field. Um, and Jacob, actually, I, I pulled up the text that I sent you, and um, mainly because, like, you know, that that was just my initial evaluation of him, right? And I'm reading through like all the different draft coverage guys that I follow, like Sam Vecini and um, Jonathan from Jonathan Bleacher Report, Wiserman, that, yeah. that, Wiserman that we had on our on our podcast here not too long ago, um, and they all had similar views, which made me feel really good because it's like the first draft prospect that I can honestly say uh, my initial evaluation was kind of spot on to what other people have said. <laughs> so with that being said, I'm just I'm just going to uh, read off kind of what I sent you, Jacob. Um, I said, he, obviously he's really good. He, but he's put on size since the highlights that we've um, that we watched. He he seems like he's bulked up quite a bit during this this off time because um, obviously they they've been not playing because of the coronavirus. It looks like he's bulked up, and he's using that to his advantage. Um, and when I say that, what I mean is he's really strong handling the ball. He uh, acts as a primary ball handler at the the end of games. I know specifically like he's not running the point from the very beginning. But when push comes to shove, for example, you know, when when you come down the, in clutch time, it seems like Denny's going to be that guy. He's going to be handling the ball for his team. And I can see that holding true as well um, when he gets drafted in the NBA. And just because of his strong ball handling moves, um, he's the guy that you – and his, his facilitating abilities, he's the guy that you want having the ball um, in his hands because he's going to make the right play, make the right play and he's going to be able to score if need be. Um I saw him make some really uh, incredible plays from out of the post. He was doubled out of the post a couple of times, and he was able to make some just pretty incredible passes, honestly. It kind of make you go like, whoa. Like, I, I don't know how he's able to find that angle, but he was able to find that angle to a, a teammate on the perimeter to get him the open shot. Um, speaking of banging down low, he was able to literally bang with those guys. He's, he's handling the ball, right? But he's able to post up down low. 
and and hang with some of those defenders because he is big and he's strong. And so I kind of see him as like a combo forward in the NBA, being that uh, in between the three and the four, uh, somebody who can handle the ball when need be, but also can just be a scorer. Um, and that's something else. So you're else. saying basically the most valuable position in the NBA. I mean, it, but he actually is. I, yeah. He literally can I mean, play that most valuable position, and he's improving at it. That's, that's what, what I've everybody seen. in the league is looking for. He's uh, a, and he's a, improving. A big wing who has size and range and can handle the ball and is kind of a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. Now, the range um, is something he does definitely need to work on. But with that being said, tonight, or today, <laughs> I say tonight, we're recording tonight. Um, this morning when I watched, he was 7-9 from the field. I, I believe, I mean, he didn't take very many threes. I think he was like two of three from the three point range. So he obviously doesn't shoot a whole lot. But that has definitely improved from the initial evaluations that, for example, you and I did, Jacob, when we looked into him. And I think Nick, you did as well. Um, he certainly has improved from there. But something else that stood out to me was his, his defensive versatility. Uh, he was able to guard some of the bigger guys down low again hold his own and did a great job now again the team that he played against was not not the best team in his league for example um his his team denny's team actually won by 30 points but with that being said i mean denny just showed that he's able to control a game and just his talent um i think it's absolutely going to be able to translate um in the nba and so with all that being said you know he's like you said jacob very versatile player Still some things he can work on, but um, I would not be surprised if he's a top five pick in this draft just due to the uncertainty of, uh, and with COVID and already the uncertainty of all the different players in this draft. I like him. I, like him <laughs> I know lot. you like him. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm feeding your, your, your liking of him. He's, <laughs> he's definitely Jacob's draft crush, and he has been for probably almost a year now. True. Yeah, I have like... I have four guys in this draft I'm really high on. Uh, Anthony Edwards, obviously, the the bigger Victor Oladipo. I think Anthony Edwards has the highest ceiling out of everyone in this draft. Right. It's just, can he reach it? Um, obviously, I love Denny. Love Denny. Uh, Killian Hayes, I'm really high on. He reminds me a lot of... Uh, he's got some Manu Ginobili to him, which I absolutely love. And then I'm really coming around on Tyrese Halliburton. His yep. his length, his IQ. I think pairing him in a backcourt with Shea uh, is very fascinating. Both of those guys have some range. They can handle. They have high basketball IQ. They have uh, a really good uh, base for defense, and the ceiling for their defense is really high. I think a combo of those two guys in the backcourt could be fascinating. So I really like th- – those are my four dudes that I'm really, really high on. Like, miss me with, with – uh, James Wiseman miss me with LaMelo Ball like I don't want those guys I'm very low on Obi Toppin but those four I'm in on so if the Thunder want to trade up be my guest I'm telling you Obi Toppin is a guy that people are going to stray away from because of his age but he's going to be a guy like a Brandon Clark that he's he's going to have less of a ceiling because he's already older than a lot of the guys that are already in the NBA but he's going to be a guy that Day one that he steps on the floor, yeah, he's going to contribute yep. right away. And then my guy who started off the season as a top three type pick and has definitely slipped down with injuries and his team not performing well and all that stuff. But I'm telling you guys, Cole Anthony is going to be a freaking stud. Ugh. See, I don't like Cole. Cole, well, with, with I, all that I'm being not said, a big um, Tyrese Maxey guy either. Now well, I do I'm like Cole either. Anthony. I just Obi Toppin. I think he'll come in and he'll be able to run a good pick and roll and score the ball. But, dude, that, that guy's not stopping anybody. Like, I think it was Kevin O'Connor comped him offensively to Amari Stoudemire and defensively to a poor man's Jalil Okafor. <laughs> That's bad. That is bad. That is bad. Um, but we, we say all this, and Presley's going to hold on to, like, the Denver's pick once we give up uh, the pick to Philadelphia this season and Yep, well, this all be real. Taylor, you great know? segue because we will definitely be talking about that Philly pick shortly. True. To start off the podcast, though, guys, I say to start us off for 13 minutes. <laughs> in. Our first big topic of the podcast, uh, I really wanted to dive into more and more information coming out about the bubble down in Orlando, uh, how things are shaping up. Um, Brian Winhorse came out today, said a vast majority of the players are excited. They're ready to get down. They're ready to get started now. Players have till this coming Wednesday to make final decisions on if they're going to play or not. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. I think they have to report to their 
teams starting on Monday and coronavirus testing starts on Tuesday. I would not be surprised if we start hearing of some positive cases in the NBA, guys. Uh, I, I It's just going to happen. But the following, well, not even the following week, starting on that Wednesday, actually, leading through that next week, we get uh, what is called the transaction window. They're going to open up a week-long window where teams are able to cut and sign players uh, for their roster heading down to Orlando. Now, it, it would just be like at the end of the regular season where you can like sign a free agent into an open roster spot, uh, either for like a prorated veterans minimum to an extended like multi-year deal, whatever. And our friend of the podcast, actually going to be on the podcast this coming Wednesday, guy who maybe started the idea of the bubble in Orlando yep. and really got it off the ground, Keith Smith tweeted out uh, i believe this was on saturday that what he's hearing from a lot of people is one surefire deal that's going to happen during this transaction window is the thunder converting lugens dort from a two-way contract to a full-time nba deal which would make him eligible for the playoffs and lock him up for the next few years so guys i kind of want to start with that if the thunder let's say on june 23rd sign that extension uh, and or not extension, but sign that deal with Ludort. What number do you think it, it's looking like? Um, is, is it closer to a Darius Baisley, like 1.3, 1.4 a year? Is it closer to a Hamadou Diallo who's making like eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars a year? Uh, is it more than Baisley? Kind of. Where do you think that type of deal is going to fall out? What do you think is fair for both sides? So I keep thinking that. Um... I look at a player who is in a very similar position for OKC, a very similar age, and that's Terrence Ferguson. He signed a four-year, um, $10.3, I guess, million-dollar contract with the Oklahoma City Thunder um, when he first signed his initial rookie deal. Uh, I would assume that Lou would would sign something similar, but prorated, obviously. He's not going to sign a... Um, Maybe he does. Maybe the Thunder do want him for four years from now. I can see them signing him to like a three-year deal that would end up being a a similar amount per year that Ferg is making. Like that 2.5, 2.58, 2.6 Yeah, Ferg um, made uh, rookie year 1.7, the next year 2.1, 2.4, and then 3.9 his last year. I can see something similar with Dort, but with that being said, it's it's such a unique situation because Dort is a guy who wasn't drafted right, um, yet he is in a starting position right now. So his camp has a lot of a lot of leverage. So it'll be really interesting to see what they agree to, because this this could be a rookie type deal or a rookie type extension that we haven't really seen. Um, so Terrence Ferguson is kind of my like. Uh, my middle ground, but I can see where Dort's camp is able to negotiate something a little higher, um, where the Thunder may want something a little closer to Darius Baisley. Yeah, and it's it's also worth noting not that this guy is the same caliber player. I think we've all kind of fallen off on on him over the last year or so. But last Hobby. year, whenever Deontay Burton was oh, converted. Okay. He was a it was a roughly two years three point one million so about a million and a half a year I I could see Lou and it's so tricky because this is not your typical deal it's not like first round pick money second round pick money it's all all kind of thrown out the window at this point he's a starter he shattered two way records he started the most games of any two way player ever granted it's only you know two way players have only been around since twenty seventeen I could see um, you know, prorated obviously this year, but going forward, I could see it being three years, seven point five million. Okay, that sounds pretty fair. So, I want to dive a little bit deeper into this. Let's rewind a year ago on the calendar. We had another two-way player who was starting for a playoff team, playing really good. Uh, and then went back down to the G League and turned down the offers that his team made to sign him uh, to a multi-year non-guaranteed and then a a multi-year guaranteed deal because he and his agent thought he deserved more, and that is Daniel House of the Houston Rockets. Now, 
do you guys think we might be headed towards something like that where Lou Dort's camp might play a little bit of hardball knowing that they have the leverage here? Like Taylor mentioned, he's starting. Hey, Lou, Lou Dort's agent might say, look here, this is the contract we want. We don't want a uh, a non-guaranteed deal. We just want to get signed, um, You know, basically convert Lou for the rest of this season. And then in the, in the like it's not the summer, in the off season this fall, we'll negotiate the long term deal that's going to be on on par with like what pick, you know, fifteen through twenty would make. Uh, we don't want a three year deal right now. Just convert Lou for the rest of the season, and then let's talk real ball whenever the fall gets here. Do you see anything like that coming up where the two sides are going to play hardball with each other, or do you think this is going to be a pretty seamless? Uh, Transaction. That's that's interesting because <clears throat> if I remember correctly, House was ended up getting three years, eleven mil, something in that ballpark. So if if that three year seven point five that I alluded to just a couple seconds ago is low in their minds, and they say, hey, there's a guy in Houston last year in a similar situation, end up getting eleven. I could definitely see them playing hardball as much as I think Lou enjoys playing in Oklahoma City. That's not always everything. I mean getting your money is getting your money is making less than a hundred K a year right now on that two way contract. So he's definitely going to want to get paid. I, I could, I mean, I could see them playing hardball. I guess I would flip the question back to you real quick, Jacob, three years, 11 million that house got last year. Would you be okay with Lou Dort getting that? It feels a little high. I mean, I think the argument, it's interesting. We, we just talked a lot about what, Lou and his agent's argument would be I think on the flip side the Thunder's argument would be hey we were the team that didn't select you in the second round um, because Lou apparently uh, has said that he didn't want to be taken as a second round pick uh, and be forced to go somewhere he wanted his choice um, in a a non-drafted free agent deal so hey you chose us we didn't like force you to sign like a, a really crappy second round deal and we want to bring you in but you did go undrafted and we can't justify paying you more than a guy we did draft in the first round like Darius Baisley. So we'll sign you close to that but we can't sign you more than what we signed a guy who went 24th overall for. That's that's not fair either. So I, I can kind of see the both sides, the argument on both sides, because then how do I, who represents Baisley? Is it clutch? Yeah. Baisley is clutch. Cause remember there's the whole story about him going to LeBron's house. Yeah, and yeah, calling. exactly. So, I mean, how does Presti then turn around and, and talk to who's the, the guy from clutch? Um, Rich Paul, Rich Paul, Rich Paul, you know, but turn around I, to Rich Paul and say, Hey, yeah, fair. Baisley's been good. Uh, and we're paying him 1.3 million this season, but our undrafted rookie, we're gonna sign him to literally double that moving forward. Um, sorry, that probably sours your relationship with Rich Paul a little bit there as well. True. Uh, so, so I, I think there's a lot of moving parts here, actually, guys. Well, definitely. do you want to know an extra wrinkle that's another moving part? Is I'm ready. Lou Dort is represented by the the Wasserman Media Group, who who's Russell Westbrook's. I, I got, yeah, I got in contact with. Yeah, Foucher is is part of that agency who represented Russell Westbrook, but he also represents Shea Gilgis Alexander. So you don't want to rustle oh, any feathers boy. there and, and end up screwing up some kind of relationship on a on a Shea deal later on either. That gets hairy. It's very hairy. Yeah. With all that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if they just sign Lou for the rest of the season. And then go into the summer, Lou will be a restricted free so, agent. So uh, what you're saying is the Dak Prescott situation, right, Nick? Oh, God, don't get me started there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh. I, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, percentage chance, though, that they get, um, let's say, a multi-year deal signed for Lou uh, this coming week. What would you guys place, place the percentage chance of that at? Coming week seems a little soon, um, so I'd probably well, go in, in this transaction one. Okay, saying, uh, tr- gotcha. Basically, fair, signing fair. this uh, a multi-year deal now instead of waiting till free agency. I'd lean 60-40. Uh, 60 that they will, forty percent that they will not. Kind of like you said, Jacob, they'll just write out this two um, two-way contract um, for this basically until they get 
Bidalvi, um, regular season or the um, playoffs, whatever it may be. And um, from there, I kind of see them um, either working out a deal or they will sign him through. I, I, 60% that they do sign him through this window because the fact that Keith came out and, and had that report, I think that means that a lot of other teams that he reached out to would be very interested in Lou. And you don't want to let a, a guy highly sought after like that go. Um, so I think there's other organizations that view him just as highly as the Thunder do. So I think that Sam and the organization in general will want to try and lock him down as soon as possible. But like you said, Jacob, if it's not for the organization's best interest, they're not going to go out of their way to sign Lou to a perfect contract that he wants. Um, so because of that, I'm going 60% that they do through this transaction window, 40% that they do not, and just hold off, like you said, Jacob, until um, after the season or the, the playoffs. I'm going to go more 80-20 that they, 80% they do um, for, for two reasons, On one on both sides. A, we've seen plenty of guys, even outside of two ways. You could look at Deontay Burton on a two-way point of view. You could look at a lot of other guys that – at the time they got signed to a, a larger contract, you thought it was a good deal, and fast forward a year later and you thought it was a bad deal. It happens all the time. So I think that Lou right now, that where he's sitting and how he's played, his his value is pretty dang high. And while we all think that his, his ceiling is pretty high, he's only going to get better, you just never know. So from his point of view, it's like, what if he comes back and has a horrible finish to the season, doesn't play well in the playoffs? His value could drop a lot, even even if it's only seven hundred fifty thousand a year. That, that that's a lot of money to it to an individual. So, I think that it's in his best interest to sign it now. I think it's in the Thunder's best interest to sign it, just because you know, just like Taylor said, a lot of other teams will be looking at him. They'd like to get him on the books now, get it out of the way. I I see it. I see it happening more likely than not. The the more reports that I see. The more I think about it from both points of view, it just makes the most sense to just get it out of the way. Nice. I like it, guys. Um, I hope it happens. I love Lou. Uh, I enjoyed getting a chat with him whenever he was playing for the G League. Uh, those conversations were really cool, and he deserves it. I mean, like you yep. said, that guy is making like you two probably make close to what Lou is making this year. $78,000 right? roughly. Yeah, Oof. I mean, shit, that's double what I make in a year. But, <laughs> um, all right, guys, well, let's continue this conversation a little bit for the transaction window. I have a list of 10 players here. I'm going to list a name, and I want you two to tell me. Let, let's forget about who has an open roster spot right now. I think during this transaction window, they can also cut guys. Uh, Deontay Burton. But <laughs> So we'll see. Uh, but I'm going to give you a name of a player. Regardless of if a team has an open roster spot or not, I want you to tell me which team would this player fit best on of the 22 teams going to the bubble. Like, oh man, what? what, what <laughs> where is the best um, the the best relationship for for the team and for the player? All right, so Nick, I'm starting. Woo! I just had a nice old burp go out there. Uh, <laughs> it was a brisket burp, baby. There you go. Happy Nick, Father's I'm gonna, Day. I'm going to start with you, Trey Burke. Thank God, because I could not find somewhere where Trey would really fit. That's Trey tough. Burke is an interesting player. He's an undersized point guard. He is a microwave, though. I can see him being a a pretty good score for a playoff team off the bench. I'm going to go with the team he actually played for last year in the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, we've seen... So you're going to replace your boy Shake? No, I'm. I'm it's, not, it's not where I'm going. Shay's going to be starting. It's fine. Ben Simmons, <clears throat> although he's a point guard, can obviously play a whole bunch of different positions. So I'm, I'm taking that out of the equation. Shake is great too. He's six seven. He can play point guard, shooting guard. He can stretch and play the three if he needs to. But they, they don't really have a true, you know, six foot point guard that that plays a true point guard that can score the ball at a high level. I think he makes a lot of sense to go back to Philly just for the remainder of the year. I don't see them signing him to like a, a guaranteed deal next year to retain him like some of these other guys we might talk about. But I see Trey Burke. He he already knows you know the roster. He's played with a bunch of these guys. He knows the offense. He knows the staff. I could see Trey Burke uh, playing some time in Philadelphia to finish the season. Actually, I, I like that. I think that makes sense. 
I like it. All right, next one. Taylor, or yeah, Taylor, you're up. Jamal Crawford. So Jamal Crawford is super interesting. Um, obviously a guy who can take control, um, especially in a psyching unit. Um, and to me, he seems like a guy who is like kind of like a spark plug off the bench, um, who can come in and score for you when you need scoring. Probably won't close games at this point or age of his career. Um, so a team that I'm looking at is um, a team that can really use help off the bench, uh, who can use outside shooting, who can use a second team, uh, you know, a, a bench facilitator. And so I'm like scrolling through these teams, and a team that I see here, they're currently sitting sixth in the Western Conference, and I don't think these uh, these fans will be super happy of me saying this. But I think it makes sense, especially with the uh, owner of the team, the GM of the team, and the coach of the team. I'm going with the Houston Rockets here. I can that's see ba- where I thought you were going to go Lakers. No, the it, way you were describing that, I was like, he's going to send him to the Lakers, and that's another good team. Um, but the Rockets could really use another shooter um, score, especially in that second unit, um, and they're going all in on on the small ball. Um, so I think that the Rockets could really use a, a score and creator like Jamal Crawford, especially just for those times when you need to just give uh, Russ and Harden a, just a little uh, little breath on the bench. <laughs> you know, like you're going to try and stagger them as much as possible. But you have Crawford who can kind of fill That's that gap. That's a team with a bunch of guys that don't want to pass the ball. That's and you're playing such a ball. Houston pickup. And yeah. that, right, right. So just it, that's why, like, the owner, the, the GM, the coach – Jamal Crawford feels like that guy for Houston, it but does. I do like that uh that Lakers idea. That I that thought that was the well. direction you're going. Uh, all right, Nick, Jr. Swish. Oh Swish. dear God. Okay. Do see. I do I think he should be on an NBA roster? Probably not. I mean, he's. You don't want to see Jr. drinking Henny down in Disney World. I I love it. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a he's a guy I enjoy watch playing basketball. I model just, my personal game after him <laughs> of course you did you um, <laughs> but i just want the woes jr smith so drunk passes out in the pool at the hung Grand over Floridian, out for tomorrow's games. Tell ESPN. <laughs> as no. i said on thursday's podcast the uh, mickey mouse strip house uh, <laughs> or the mini sorry mini mouse strip house that's that's where, where jr and uh, harden will be no, I mean he's he's not a bad player. I mean he's he's had great runs throughout his career in, in Cleveland and I think he's a good player. He to me, if if I'm a team, I'd rather sign a guy that's younger and I would rather sign a guy that's like, Hey, finish out the season here, we'll give you a low guaranteed amount next year to keep you on the roster and kinda of hold that contract. But I guess if I had to pick a team for JR to play on, just because he has playoff experience albeit not in a superstar role, more of as a, a bench guy or a role player. I think he could make sense coming off the bench for the Orlando Magic. Um, they've they've got some solid shooting guards and Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross, and you look past that on their bench, there's not a lot of guys that I would personally trust in the playoffs. I would be, almost be fine bringing in a guy like J.R. Smith that has that playoff experience, um, although he could be a little bit of a distraction, I think we all know Orlando is getting booted in the first round, anyways. But bringing a guy like him that has a little bit of experience with some of these young guys, and, and it might make sense. That's a good one. I like that one. Taylor, Tyler Johnson. This one's really tough um, because I think if he's in the right situation, he could be a very uh, feasible player. But there's very few teams I think that are looking for a backup point guard right now who are going to be in playoff contention that could really use that. So one team that I'm coming to here is the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you have J.J. Barea. Um, and obviously Luke is going to be handling a lot of the uh, ball facilitating duties. But with that being said, I, I think Tyler could come into that team. And again, this is kind of similar to the first player I had um, in Crawford, but a guy who can come on in the sec- in a second unit and facilitate and help run an offense, um, keep that same pace of play, and um, you know, kind of help you out when you're trying to rest some of these players. So, the Mavericks are a team that I found that I think would be a a good fit for him. Um, basically, anybody who's looking for somebody who can come in and handle the ball 
Um, he's he's not going to be a high-scoring player by any means, but I think he's somebody who can uh, kind of help keep some intensity uh, when you have some of your star players on the bench during the playoffs. So uh, Marek's are who I'm going with here. Nice. That's a good one. Nick, you get Alan Crabb. Where should Alan Crabb sign that one's for the bubble? interesting. So I'll start by saying he would fit on almost any team. I think he's probably the most attractive free agent on the market right now. I think I would get booed off the podcast if I didn't choose <laughs> Oklahoma City, so that's where I'm going to go. Um, obviously a great catch-and-shoot guy. is a career uh, close to 39% three-point shooter. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to score. He's not an ISO guy. He can spot up, catch-and-shoot. Um, he, he basically on offense would be what we want Ferguson to be. Um, I A lot can change. In these, in these next eight games of the regular season with everybody coming off of the hiatus. You know, Terrence Ferguson could come back with confidence. Diallo could come back and play well. There's a lot of shooting guards on the team that could be good in theory, but no one's really proven themselves in the league. No one's proven themselves off the bench, you know, in the playoffs. I think Alan Crabb off the bench would be huge for the Thunder. I wouldn't be upset if they signed him to a – you know, prorated for this year and a, a small deal for next year. He's only 28 years old. I think Alan Crabb in Oklahoma City makes a lot of sense. That's not a hot take. Everybody's been talking about that for the past couple of weeks now. But he, he makes perfect sense as a veteran to come in and um, play some of those playoff minutes that we may not trust the young guys to be playing. Taylor, you get Isaiah Thomas. Ooh, this one's really tough um, because I like IT a lot. Obviously, we saw what he was able to do here um, three or four seasons ago when he was literally in a potential MVP candidate. But with that being said, at this point right now, there aren't a ton of teams who are going to be looking at him. Um, and so I look at a team like the Washington Wizards who may be willing to have IT come back and um, kind of help them make that push um, up into the eighth seed and be able to make the playoffs until John Wall is able to get healthy, obviously, next season. Just kind of give them that push into the playoffs and be able to continue um, through the Disney bubble. Um, and there's some other teams as well, like maybe the um, Sacramento Kings need a, a facilitator, need a vet like IT who can come in and kind of help some of these young guys. Um, but outside of that, there's not a whole lot of options for IT and I'm going to be completely honest I don't really see him finding a team for this whole bubble agreed I think that's fair Nick you get Iman Shumpert who actually went on Instagram Shump. and said he would come and play for the Thunder if they asked him yeah he is interesting he's a known Thunder killer throughout the years he's never actually averaged double digit scoring in a season in his entire career but he's always found a way to torch Oklahoma City when they when they do face off on the various teams he's been on. Um, I actually featured him on, on an article I wrote recently as a fit in Oklahoma City. I mean, he's not my first choice, but he definitely would be a nice extra body to have. You know, I'd True. rather have him than nobody. But if I had to pick a team for him that, that actually makes a lot of sense, it would be the Portland Trailblazers. So they've got the whole Dame-CJ duo um, in the starting lineup. But when you look at their bench, it's a lot of guys that are bright future, high ceiling guys, and Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr. But again, nobody that's really proven themselves in the league. I think that him coming into Portland, being a microwave bench scorer, he's, he's historically been... Uh, a hot and cold defender when he wants to defend he can he doesn't defend all the time because he likes likes putting the ball in the hole in the offensive end but if you put him in Portland I still don't think they make the playoffs I don't think there's anybody that's available that that puts them in that playoffs that, that eight seed that's that's up for grabs but I think that he makes a lot of sense as a backup kind of combo guard in Portland nice that's a fascinating one I do think I like that fit a lot actually Taylor, you get Gerald Green. So Gerald Green's fun because he's that 3-and-D player that you really can kind of plug in anywhere. Um, obviously, when you put him on a team, he's going to be leaning much more towards the 3 and not so much towards the uh, defense side of things. Not that he's a bad defender, but he's certainly not the best. He's kind of average. But I think there's two teams here, and they're both very similar. And what I mean by that is I think you could play him in on Milwaukee. Um, you look at their depth chart. 
And I think after, like, Urson at Leosova, it uh, starts to go downhill. You have Kyle Korver, who is not the Kyle Korver that we know. Um, Frank Mason. Like, I'm looking at Wesley, obviously Wes Matthews, but he's still not the same Wes Matthews. I think Green could really contribute here on the Bucks. Would be a really fun um, piece for them to, to kind of play with here in the second unit during these reseeding games. See where he fits in, and if he does fit in really well, then you have a solid piece to play in the playoffs. Um, and the other team that's kind of similar to the Bucks is a team that you mentioned earlier, Jacob, who can just use any sort of scoring and playmaking outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis and uh, Ray John Rondo and the Los Angeles Lakers. So those are kind of my two teams there for uh, for Green. Very good. Uh, a former Laker is the next one up on the list, Nick. Boogie Cousins. Boogie Cousins. So obviously Boogie's one of the most talented players at his position when healthy. If I'm Boogie Cousins, honestly, I don't know if I even want to come back. I'm sure he'll have quite a few offers. Just knowing his injury history, I would almost rather table this season, come back fully healthy next year. It's it's almost not worth another injury just to play these last eight games into the playoffs. I think the Lakers obviously would love to have him back. He's He was granted access to their facilities even after you know the injury and everything happened. So he's close with the team. He's been working out there quite a bit through his rehab process. Um, I think this is an obvious one where he would fit, although I haven't seen anybody speculate on this or even talk about this. But a team that is very, very good but lacks a center in the East is the Boston Celtics. And that's a good one. I don't know why it hasn't been talked about. Maybe they're just not interested. But he, if he comes back even 70% of what he was when he was averaging an absurd like 29 points and 14 rebounds or something along those lines, if he comes back and can start for the Celtics and average 15 and 10, which would be low numbers for him based on his career, that would be a perfect fit, and that would honestly catapult them, in my mind, to be a clear number two in the East behind the Bucks. I thought you were going to go with Houston there. The way you're describing, the way you were leading up, I thought you were going to say Houston, which, again, I feel like it just makes sense for Houston as far as just the the whole aura down there. Uh, Taylor, you get the last one, which would be Dragon Bender. Oh. So Dragon is actually a guy that <laughs> – that sounds so awesome. Dragon is actually a guy. Um, Dragon Bender is actually a guy that I kind of had given up on um, because so many teams, a couple of teams, have um, thought that he could continue to contribute and have a lot of potential. Just has never panned out for him. Um, so for Bender, I see him going. But I say all this. There was a tweet today, and I cannot remember who. I think it was Keith who tweeted out that um, there's still a lot of teams who are interested in him, see his potential, and think that he can really develop into something. And so when I hear that, I think of teams that are kind of um, looking for some younger players. Like, again, I think Dragon Bender is like Nick and I's age or younger, right? He's 22. 22. He's three three years younger than both Nick and I. Um, And so... Obviously, there is still some potential there. And so I look at teams like the Phoenix Suns, the San Antonio Spurs, Sacramento Kings, New Orleans Pelicans. Um, I don't think the, the um, gosh, there's one, but the Blazers would probably be looking at him. But even like maybe the Wizards or um, the Pacers. I mean, he seems like the like stereotypical um, stretch four kind of guy that the Pacers would be looking for. So I I know I'm literally naming off teams who are just kind of like on the edge of the playoffs because I think that's where somebody like Bender could really um, flourish. They need a solid foundation, a solid organization where they can um, lean into player development. And even OKC, for that matter, um, you know, could could kind of be their next Nerlens Noel or their next Enos Cantor or their next Dion Waiters uh, project. So... Any of those teams that have strong foundations with strong player development, that's where Bender needs to go next because otherwise he's going to be out of the league after next season. Yeah, I think if I'm Dragon Bender, I'm looking at the Spurs and saying, man, I need to get my career back on path, and that right. would be a, a team that would make a lot of sense. I mean, he's not a bad player 
he I mean this this season with the Warriors in in limited time I think it's only like nine or ten games he's averaged like nine points and six rebounds a game as a three-point shooter he's pretty solid I mean right for a for a stretch four like 33 35 percent uh, on average I would say that's that's without looking up stats it could be lower it could be higher, but around around those lines he's not a bad player I oh would God, be Taylor's ex- dog is pissed God here we go again and they Taylor's got a uh, they got a dog door now so they get to go outside and see what's going on nice no I, I think I think dragon bender I know Jacob's not high on him but if Oklahoma City signed him, I would be ecstatic. At 22 years I was, old... It, I was about to say that, Nick. You were saying a young guy who needs to get his career back on track and, and needs to rehab both his game and his image. That's Oklahoma City. Yeah, I mean... Right? He, that, that's Oklahoma City. That's Nerlens Noel, Ennis Cana, Dion Waiters, all right. those names that Taylor mentioned. It's in, the next in line. I, I hate to say this because everybody loves Darius Baisley, but I would, and we can do this offline, and we can tweet it out for, <laughs> for the followers. <laughs> I would like to see his per 36-minute numbers next to Darius Baisley. I know Bender's obviously had a lot more NBA experience, so it's it's a little skewed. But I would imagine Bender's production this year has been relatively similar in the, the minutes he's been giving of, of uh, Darius Baisley. I would love to have, you know, going forward – both Baisley and Bender, you know, young guys, both under 22 years old at that power forward position, both have similar-ish style games, stretch fours, kind of slender guys, don't like to bang down low. I could see those two guys being a very, very fun combo of power forwards going forward. That's fair, but I would argue that Baisley is able to handle the ball a little more, has a little more versatility, um, and also give Baisley another year, right? Because um, Bender has had more than one season, even though he's extremely young, which is crazy. I didn't realize he was even as young as he is. Um, I have to give Baisley one more year before we start making those comparisons. But I see what you're getting at. Like they're the they're literally the same position, um, and teams who are looking at them, um, they're looking for the same, like you said, Nick, the same role that 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 stretch for. And all you can compare is is right now. I mean, I, I do think Baisley next year's numbers will be better than Bender's numbers next year, regardless yep. of where he's at. But yep. if you could sign him to a, a prorated, you know, un- definitely under a million dollars to finish out this season in Oklahoma City, and then you give him some kind of small guarantee next year, so you hold his contract, and then maybe you restructure and, and sign him to a longer deal this summer or early next year, why not take a flyer on a guy like that? Yeah. There. Presty loves I agree. the former lottery picks that need a new place to uh, new place to revitalize their image. Hey, I'm the the dots line up. Now, if they if the Thunder if you want to get the specifics here, if the Thunder sign Lou Dort, they no longer have an open roster spot. But like I mentioned earlier, I think they're able to cut players during this week as well. You could get off Deontay Burton and so, turn around and pick up Dragon Bender. So exactly. you so I'll ask both of you this. You have the option of of Dragon Bender or Deontay Burton for the next, you know, rest of this season and all of next year. For example, you'd rather have Bender than. Oh, Burton. that's a no-brainer. I'd rather have Bender than Alan Crabb. Yeah, no, I agree with that potential. No, I, I'll take I'm, potential I'm, on this I'm with team. You guys, 100%. So, no, no, I, I know you are. I'm just, I agree get, with you guys. Get me the young guys that you can buy low on right now. Right. Give me you know? all the potential compared to any contributor. Um, just because of where this team is at right now. And um, we actually were having a conversation about this in Discord earlier today. And I just, um, I think Presti's going to be looking to move as many of these guys that he can that are not meant for the future. And that includes Chris Paul, Gallinari. Uh, we'll see about Steven Adams. That one's kind of up in the air. But uh, I'm with you, Jacob. I'm uh, I'm in full agreement. Yep, I'd bet on it. You bet on it? Brutes. Well, guys, there is no scores of action going on. Our exclusive partner at BetOnline.ag. You can bet on literally just about anything, including uh, my computer is currently, or my laptop is currently at 4%. So can I get through this ad read before my computer dies and I can go and get my uh, laptop charger? You can bet on that, probably. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds. 
any lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. And if you're looking for anything else other than sports, Bet Online has you covered. They have hundreds of casino games, poker, uh, tournaments, and prop bets to check out. I even have mentioned in the past, um, I look on their their Twitter account, and they have like old Confederate monuments. Will they be torn down or not? You can bet on those. Um, BetOnline.ag has you guys covered. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word. Blue Wire. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, gentlemen. Well, before we get off the podcast today, one last little thing I wanted to touch on. Um, friend of the podcast and guest coming up on no, he was on last week. Sorry, he's not coming up. He he was on last week. Harrison Grimm, who writes for Liberty Ballers, a Philadelphia 76ers and just all around Philadelphia sports site wrote an article about how the 76ers currently own the OKC Thunder's top 20 protected 2020 first-round pick. Now, whenever we get down into Orlando, there is a chance that the Thunder could slip down to number 20 in the league or lower, which would get them this pick back. Now, Harrison in his article really argues that Philly needs to keep this pick uh, it has large ramifications on bringing in a young guy whenever a lot of the players on their team are already uh, under massive contracts. Or this pick could be a sweetener to help them get off a contract like Al Horford. That this pick has a lot of value for Philly moving forward. So he really hopes they're able to keep it. My question for you, how important is this pick for Oklahoma City? Should this be something we're actively monitoring while in Orlando, if the Thunder are able to keep their 2020 pick or not. What do you think, Nick? I, God, it's tough. I don't think that pick is going to end up in Oklahoma City's hands. Um, there, There's just so many moving parts, it's hard to even say. I... So obviously Philly, who who this pick might go to, is is one of the half games behind Oklahoma City right now. So they're going to be a huge swing in what goes on. So if they play well in these next eight games, Oklahoma City doesn't. That's going to be enormous in, in what happens with this pick. But I think that the rest that Oklahoma City is getting, Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari in specific, is going to be huge. There's going to be rust for all teams. So I think that the... The idea that Oklahoma City, while they were on a heater there for a little bit towards the end of the season before it went on hiatus, is going to be a little bit of a disadvantage for them as they look to to stay hot. Every team's going to come back rusty. But considering two of their top three scores and and offensive players in general are older and injury prone, are going to come back fully healthy, fully you know, rested up. It's going to be huge. I see Oklahoma City, I think we've all kind of agreed on the five and three record through the final eight. They would really have to to probably go something more like three and five for that pick to p- portray in my mind. So I say that pick is going to end up in Philly's hands and Oklahoma City only has that one first round pick in the 2021 NBA draft or 2020 NBA draft. Let me float this out there to you guys and let me know which one you prefer. Would you rather Oklahoma City not keep the pick and go to Philly and the Thunder play Utah in the first round down in Orlando or that pick to become pick 18 and the Thunder gets to keep it and they play Denver in the first round? Which would you rather have? That's tough. Um... I think those are two teams that are. I mean, right now Utah is a team that you would rather play because of the uh, son of Bogdan, as uh, Jacob likes to say. Yeah, Bogdan, son of Bogdan. Actually, that's someone from <laughs> Bogdanovich from, from Sacramento. This is, this would be Boyan, son of or Boyan. Boyan, son of Boyan. There you go. Um, with the injury, like you probably would prefer to. And, and again, you have like the whole uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, quote unquote, like tension and you probably rather play the utah jazz but either way you're not going to win the championship this year and so you probably do want that better pick 
But it's also a unique situation because the Oklahoma City Thunder have so many, um, so many draft assets right now. And so I think the most important thing for this season is just getting some of these young guys that are going to be uh, foundation pieces or potential foundation pieces for the future and Darius Baisley, um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, um, Ter- even Terrence Ferguson and um, Hamadou Diallo. Just getting those guys this experience I think will be huge and much more important than a pick that may be, you know, whatever it is. I think the Denver Nuggets pick could be like 25 at the 25th first pick overall compared to what you subject the 18th the thunder already have enough picks that they want to move up and get denny or they want to move up and get anybody who Presley really has his eyes on they can do that um and that one pick won't stop them so because of the draft kind of cushion that they have right now i would say just play get these guys experience go as far as you can and that pick doesn't really mean a whole lot when it comes to the future of the franchise Interesting. I, I think it's a double-edged sword, you know. Um, I also think it's kind of a win-win situation. You either get a lot of playoff experience or you add another jewel in the crown of the, the crown of draft picks Presti has, which you can start to utilize immediately. Uh, I don't know if there's a bad situation here, right? I think a lot of times we're talking about choosing uh, the less worst situation. I feel like in this specific instance, uh, you're picking between two pretty good options. Yeah, it's a it, it truly is a win-win. So I think either way, Thunder fans should be happy with whatever happens. I, going back to my original response, I I would rather have the pick. I don't think it's likely, but if it was a, you know, hey, you get to choose between keeping your pick or or getting a certain position in the playoffs. I think that getting that pick long term is is going to be nice Presti would love to have those two first round picks to to dangle as a carrot whether it be true packaging those to move up or trading for a disgruntled star or a guy like an Aaron Gordon or a Kevin Knox or guys that that are using that pick I mean pick 18 plus Chris Paul probably gets you a lot more than just Chris Paul absolutely absolutely that, that might be the thing that pushes a team from saying, eh, I don't think we're going to do that deal, to, all right, let's make it happen. Yeah, you could certainly look back and say Oklahoma City retaining that Philly pick and, and ultimately moving up in the draft to, to move Chris Paul's contract and obtaining player XYZ could be a domino that was like, holy crap, thank goodness they actually retained that pick. Chris Paul pick 18 in the 2020 draft and one of those future – Houston Rockets picks to the New York Knicks for Kevin Knox. I knew you were going this for, way. <laughs> well, that's way too much for Knox. I was thinking like you do that to get like the Knicks who landed pick number four this year. Oh, okay. Move up in the draft. Yes. Yes. I'm there. Definitely. I would love that. I don't think that would happen. And we've talked about this a ton. I don't the think Nick, the Knicks the, would do the that Knicks either. view Chris Paul is like, hey, we need to change the culture around here. We've got a lot of young talent. We need a guy that can come in and do exactly what he did in Oklahoma City and and kind of be that veteran and make us a, a solid team. I think that's their view of him. And we, we can't forget the fact that he's on a horrible contract. I think that pick number four, taking a guy like maybe Anthony Edwards that could fall to four or, or a Denny that could fall to four is a lot more valuable than bringing in a veteran leader on a bad contract. True. But I like I, I like the optimism, though. Hey, <laughs> I'm going to speak this damn thing into existence. That's what I told Jacob that earlier today. We were texting about Denny. And I was like, look, I'm not going to get my hopes up until we hear that <laughs> that Pressy is willing to trade up into the top like five picks because I don't see... Any hey, of these I'm guys just saying, Presti flew over to Israel to scout the kid. Right, right? he did. He absolutely He's got to think pretty highly of him to get on a plane to Israel. True. And he would so. be he'd be a ton of fun playing next to Shea. He would fit oh, yeah. really well. Uh, sign me up. All right, well, guys, we have brought it full circle now. <laughs> Here Begin we are. Begin and end the podcast with Denny Avdia means it was a good podcast in my book. True. So, hey, it was great talking to you You two. Happy Father's Day, even though neither of you are fathers, uh, that we know of at least. Uh, <laughs> happy Father's Day to 
co-host of the podcast, Justin Peabody, who True. is an actual father. Um, hope you had a good one, Justin. And all the dads out there, we hope you guys had a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Uncontested. If this is your first time listening to the show, hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you're a longtime listener, hey, we appreciate you as always. Regardless of how many times you've listened, please go drop a five-star rating on iTunes. It's super quick and easy, but it means a lot to us. warms my heart. Please make that happen. And tune back in again on Wednesday morning as episode three of our Under the Bubble series will be going live. We were talking to another three Eastern Conference teams as we return to play in Orlando. Um, I think it's Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston, right? Correct. So it's going to be a fun one. Make sure you tune into that. You guys stay safe. Enjoy the beginning of your week. We'll be back with you again Wednesday with with Under the Bubble and then Friday with a full-scale podcast. Maybe some free agency news on Friday, guys. We'll see. We'll also have probably uh, NBA COVID tests to talk about. So lots of stuff coming your way. You guys take it easy. And as always, Thunder Up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.